I wanted to start today with a quick story. I count myself a Spurs fan, um, even though I don't get to watch a lot of games because my husband's not into sports and my dad really was into football more than basketball. So growing up, if there was a football game, it won out over watching the Spurs. So I was literally the kid like in my room with my radio tuned to the AM station listening to the Spurs that I knew what happened to the game. But anyways, um, just the other night, I got to watch it because, you know, we live in San Antonio now, so instead of Houston, so I actually get to see the games on regular TV. And um, there's this moment when the Houston Rockets um, drew a foul. They do the replay, and it's, like, obvious, like, oh, my goodness, he is an actor. Like, where, could, where is his award for faking that? Because he barely got hit in the face. And I had that thought um, as they're showing us the replay that that's what we do to ourselves. When we blow something, we do something wrong, um, we blow up our kids, or um, even just simple mistakes, sometimes we can be that instant replay in our head. And I think sometimes we see either ourselves or we see others, or even God as the referee blowing the whistle at us. And they do the replay, and of course, there it is, Ken and failing again. And we just replay that in our heads as moms, like, there it is again. You weren't fully present with your child, or you weren't, you know, fully present at work because you were thinking about your child. Um, and so we can we can play that guilt game on ourselves. So as we get started today, I just I want to open with that story, and then um, let's go ahead and pray. God, um, thank you for this time. Thank you for this season. Um, thank you for the the way that it reminds us to slow down and to be present where we're at, God. I just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds um, as we draw close to you, God, that, that we don't have to live in guilt um, because of the Prince of Peace who came on the first Christmas, God. I just pray that you would bless this time in your word and that you would bless this um, mob's gathering. In Jesus' name, amen. So our key passage um, for today, as I was thinking about Christmas, I was thinking about the verse in Isaiah that talks about the different names of Christ, that he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, and Prince of Peace. And I kept going back to that Prince of Peace. And um, that phrase comes up again in Ephesians 2, which is the verse I chose for today that's on your um, mops paper. And it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And so to give us some context for Ephesians, um, it was a book written by Paul, um, and he wrote it to the believers in Ephesus. And that was a city that he had visited on his second missionary journey, and um, people believe that he stayed there for more than two years ministering to this church. Um, and while he's writing this letter to them, he's in prison, and he's reminding them of the core values of Christianity. And he's, in the book of Ephesians, the first half is more the theological truths, like reminding them the basics. And then the second half of the book is kind of like the response to those basics, like how do we live now that we know these truths? Um, so as I think about this verse um, of Ephesians 2.14, I was thinking, what is the dividing wall of hostility? Because it says that he, in his flesh, broke down that dividing wall. And so if you look at, um, like, other translations of Scripture, other translations call it the barrier. Another, um, the New King James calls it the middle wall of separation. And so in looking at what is this wall, what is this barrier that he tore down, um, it took me to the Old Testament. And, and that was when Moses was getting instructions for how to build the temple. 
And as he's getting those instructions in um, Exodus 26, 23, it says, The temple veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy place. And if we had a screen here, you can envision it, we would have a picture of the temple just to give you the basics. Um, the temple is basically three sections. You have the outer court where commoner Jewish people could go. Then you have the holy place, which was just for the Levites and the priests. And then you had on the innermost section, the most holy place. And the high priest was only allowed to go into that section once a year um, on a special day to make a sacrifice. And so that temple veil was the barrier between the holy place and the most holy place. And so in thinking of our verse, um, there's just a lot of really cool stuff that came out of that. Um, because in that most holy place where the, where the barrier was blocking you from going any further, even the high priest could only go once a, day, once a year. Um, that was where the Ark of the Covenant was. And if you remember from your, your childhood Bible stories, um, the Ark of the Covenant had the Ten Commandments, it had Aaron's rod, and it had a, a jar of manna. And so there were three symbols in there that were reminding the Israelites of God's provision and protection and his law. And on the top of the Ark of the Covenant were two cherubim, and that um, they guarded with their wings what was called the mercy seat. And so we'll discuss later um, the really cool part about that. But I want to go back to um, the reality that the priest only got to go in there once a year to make a sacrifice. Um, and that was because God was underscoring that atonement had to come his way. Um, and it had to be done following the law. So the priest, when he would make that sacrifice, he would have to wear special garments he would have to sacrifice a bull first for himself and his family before he could be cleansed himself to go into that room. And then he would sprinkle that blood over the mercy seat. Um, what's interesting here is that the sprinkling of the blood onto the ark was on the mercy seat. Over and over, year after year, blood was spilt, but it wasn't enough. Because we know Christ's blood is the only perfect sacrifice that would be sufficient. And on the cross, the Son of God poured his own blood on the mercy seat, making us the way to enter God's presence. So let's go back to the dividing wall. What is that veil that separates those two spaces? Um, that veil, or dividing wall, like Ephesians calls it, was actually made of blue, purple, and scarlet thread. And I found something, a, a really cool commentary said that they actually learned, the Israelites actually learned how to sew with those threads in Egypt. And it just blew me away. They didn't know how to even make the veil that would be the symbol until they went through the trials of Egypt. And so just never, never discount the tough season. God doesn't waste a single thing. Those skills that they learned while in slavery, he later asked them to use to build this, this veil um, that would be the protection. But what's really cool is if you go into Matthew 27, 51, as Jesus is dying on the cross, it says that the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. So that dividing wall that was keeping even the priest, the most holy man in the whole world, from going anywhere close to God's presence was torn by Jesus himself. And so I think sometimes with Christmas we can, we can lose the wonder of the purpose of his coming and the purpose of his coming, as we know in our verse, was because he broke down in his flesh 
the dividing wall of hostility so that we could enter God's presence. So I just want to close us with, um, with two truths that we can gather from this. And number one is that God's presence is accessible to you. Um, you don't have to be a high priest anymore, and it doesn't have to be a special day, and you don't have to kill a bull before you even walk in the room or wear special clothes. Because of Jesus Christ and him coming on that first Christmas and dying on the cross for us, we are accessible. We can have access to God's presence. Um, and it made me just, I'm, I'm hormonal and crazy right now, but it, it made me think of that, that song that's really popular now, like, why don't you just meet me in the middle? And it's like, God doesn't even say, meet me in the middle. He did it all the way. He poured his own blood over the mercy seat so we had access to his presence. And the second truth is that God wants to meet with you and he wants to speak to you. Um, and you might be like, where are you getting that from? Um, but if you go back to Exodus, when God's giving Moses the instructions on how to build the temple, verse 22 says, um, in talking about the most holy place that we just talked about, he says, there I will meet with you and from above the mercy seat, I will speak with you. So I'm just going to read that again. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, I will speak with you. And so I think just what a beautiful picture even Old Testament Jewish stories can be, and that they reveal truth to us today. And so verses like Ephesians that we can just talk right over, um, for he himself is our peace who has made the both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall. We can skip over that unless you just look up that word dividing wall and try to figure out where that wall is and where was that first mentioned. So my challenge for you this holiday season as we do have occasional moments of downtime that you would just, um, just like last week, last time when we talked about Gideon taking our questions to God, is don't, don't rush, go slow. Um, and when you do have those words that pop out or those phrases that seem odd, dig a little deeper and, and see what he might uncover for you because he wants to meet with you and he wants to speak with you.